a judge has thrown out a 32.5 million dollar Sonos verdict against Google. But this is very interesting because for once Google was kind of like, you know, the they're the underdog in this fight. <laughs> Love to see an underdog like, win. They they weren't the <laughs> bad guy I thought they were, you know, like really <laughs> I think in a lot of ways, this case has big 2012 energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what year is it? Uh, it was brand new. No. What year is it? We talk lighting kitchens, personal development, and Sonos versus Google. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. This is Resi Week, episode 401, big 2012 energy. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential TV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. This week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Rachel Bradshaw. She is a VP of Account Services over at our good friends at Castercom. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Thank you for being here. Then we have my favorite Florida man, Mr. Seth Johnson. He is a software development manager over at Blackwire. How are you doing, Seth? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you both for putting up with my tardiness today because uh, I'm on site, as you can tell, because this is not my normal studio. Um, we are going to kick this off with a couple of very exciting stories. The first one comes to us from CE Pro and Nick Bover, how to light a kitchen like a pro. Uh, Nick talked to Sean Gedos from USAI uh, to talk about the essentials when it comes to providing the best lighting experience in a client's kitchen. Read through the article, especially if you've never lit a kitchen or anything in your life. Um, go read through it. It covers a lot of the key points as far as multiple levels or layers of light, uh, task-oriented lighting, aesthetic-oriented lighting, etc. And they go through a bunch of good stuff. Rachel, let me start with you on this one. Um, mm -hmm. What is it going to take? Because we have a huge, obviously, influx of people pushing the vertical of lighting, right? It's become a huge uh, subset of what AV integrators do every day. When I read an article like this, my first thought is, okay, how can we do this better than the electricians? Because they already do exactly what is written in this article, which is, again, a great place to start. But if we want to make this a viable vertical we've got to do it better than the people that do this every day yeah how do we do that my thought is when i when i read the article and look i'm in a lot of ways i'm a lay person like i am that person who struggled through improving the task lighting in my own kitchen as a diy project and let me tell you i was i was not that good at it but i i learned a lot of the lessons in nick's article along the way um but i would have liked to see for the professional av audience a little more emphasis on control um, because I think that's where we as an industry really have an edge, you know, Nick goes through the various categories of like task lighting versus ambient lighting versus lighting the aesthetic features of the space. But I think that we have an opportunity to really connect those different applications to like functions within the home. You know, he's talking about ambient lighting. When is that important? When, it, when should it be automated? You know, how can we make that an effect that 
end users get to enjoy without having to think about it. Um, I, I think back to some of the Cedia award winners from this year who did clever things like automating the lighting to be to like at certain times of day to sort of step down in its brightness throughout the day so that if you are moving through the house at night it's never it's never shocking or blinding to your eyes so that when you leave a space the, the lights don't hard off but fade gently so that you're eased in and out of different lighting environments and i think that's the sort of expertise and thoughtfulness that a custom integrator can bring to bear on the lighting space and i'm not, I'm not saying that a lighting designer can't or won't, but we, we have the capability to tie that into mm -hmm. whole home automation and make it connected to and automated by the other things that are happening in the home. So I think that's, that's the unique selling proposition that our industry ought to be pushing it for. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I'll, I'll put a caveat in there. Lighting designers do a great job of this. They tech, they, they typically, as I, as I wrote them all into one, they typically don't have as much of a handle on the control side, as you mentioned, it's my concern is more of the electricians and, you know, the typical contractors and renovators who just throw a raceway of pot lights up and go, Hey, you're good to go. Um, <laughs> Seth, we, we do have some decent education in this space. Um, my concern with the education, uh, is, is that it, it focuses almost too much sometimes on the automation side of it, the control side of it, and not enough on the fixture selection, the lumen selection, the actual blend of, of technology and design that come into designing lighting for spaces with today's technology. What do we have to do to get our lighting to kind of like blend the tech with the technical design of what the ALA is doing as far as the American Lighting Association in their true design aesthetic training. Yeah, that's, that's tricky. Um, it, it does kind of come down to the control thing. This is one of the, one of the things I agree wholeheartedly with what was just said, like the, the, when I'm talking to the manufacturers about why they're in this space is because they've gone as far as they can with the electricians and they've gone as far as they can with the designers and the people that, can put their hands on these products and make them actually do what they were designed to do. They were designed to be, uh, you know, tunable lighting to match the daylight um, outside and do that across the house. Yeah, um, a, a designer can specify those fixtures and uh, you can have that specified inside the house. Um, the electrician can know to kind of put it in, but who's going to program all that and set it all up? It's definitely the integrator. I, I, you know, I don't, without without having one of those careers and specifying fixtures and, and, and understanding lighting design, it's a little bit further along than what the article here kind of covers, but like mm -hmm. that, that's a whole career in and of itself, right? Like there, there's, there's so much knowledge to be gained there. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure our industry, at least the beginning in our industry is, is not really ready for that. Um, we're right now, we're, we're barely learning how to hook the lighting up, uh, you know, especially low volt, lighting, low volt linear lighting, that kind of thing. <laughs> we're barely learning how to do that. And we're actually barely getting that into our control systems, right? Like it was just this last year within the last, you know, six months that control four actually got a, uh, you know, RGB controller <laughs> interface put into the, yep. within the last year or so, but it's like, 
how we're, we're just playing catch up that in our industry. And it's been one of those things has been a toy for, for so long, but we know that we've needed it. And now that it, now that it's here, like we, a lot of control systems have access to that. Um, we have the ability. We just, like you said, we don't have the knowledge, the education um, to catch up and, and get this product installed properly where you're not blowing up power supplies and, and, and led light strips and that kind of thing. Yeah. The Dunning Kruger effect is real, right? <laughs> yeah. It, a lot of it is you don't know what you don't know. Right. It, and yeah. it, it's, it, you can, you can specify a lot of this product out or you can get a list of what you need and, and then you go in, you try and put it together and it's, it's all Greek because it was, there's, there's a lot of like institutional knowledge that, that comes along with some of these products, even though they're very simple. And as soon as you figure it out, and as soon as you understand why things are the way they are, um, it's just like hooking up speakers. There's a lot of institutional knowledge in just hooking up a volume control to speakers, but we all had to start somewhere. We all had to figure out and understand what it was doing when we, we put impedance matching volume controls into a system. Most people don't understand that, but we do uh, because we were trained and gained that knowledge over years. Let, let me ask you this just before we leave. I sat in a circadian rhythm class on Friday from a major lighting showroom. Not a, they have an in-house brand as well, but I sat in on this. Their entire pitch, once you got past the technical aspect of circadian rhythm, et cetera, was that the entire thing runs on an app. It all sits on the network and you don't have to involve an integrator at all. That was the pitch was you can design this for your customers. And I was the only integrator on the call, um, but it was, you can design this for your customers focusing directly on um, interior designers and they can run this whole thing. And I looked at the app, I looked at the system. It is phenomenal. Where do, are, are we going to get lost to, to your point, Seth? We're not very good at necessarily even putting some of this stuff in yet. And the lighting manufacturers are pushing this so fast. I don't know if the control companies are going to be able to keep up. I think that's a valid concern, Matt. Like that we have so many technologies that are entering the marketplace right now that make things easier for, for lay people to do, right? To do some pretty sophisticated mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but what those technologies are not that good at yet and they they may get that way they may get that way really fast but they're not that good yet at uh true customization um mm -hmm. and when i think about you know an app that can program circadian lighting rhythms like that's very impressive and if you're if you're like predicating your whole uh, lighting vertical on being able to provide circadian lighting to folks like that may be really threatening. But I, I hope that as an integrator, you're not doing that, that as an integrator, you're talking to people in the home about what they, what they really want to do in their home, how they really use their spaces, what they really love about their home and designing their lighting around that instead of just around the sun, because, and this, this is where I'm going to get a little spicy I, I don't know, circadian rhythm, like the benefits of circadian rhythm are pretty, pretty tenuous. Like there, I don't think that that has been borne out 
in research and experience. And I think that lighting that focuses more on what people actually like to do in their homes and what they, what they love or hate about being in their homes is both like a little more challenging to achieve and something that's more in the sweet spot of integrators. I'm going to get you on to debate Huberman on that one. Yeah, but I a hundred percent agree. If you actually go back and do research and figure out and look through the actual papers they're referencing for the scientific papers, they're it's actually referencing thin. for a it's very thin. It, it involves about a survey of twenty people of uh, stroke patients in the nineties, and only ten of them filled out the form, and only three of them actually filled it out right. And that's what we're basing all the science on. Oh, that's very tough. Yep. So, and they all in reference each other. Oh, yeah. thank you, Seth. I love a methodology Ooh. queen. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, went down that rabbit hole during the pandemic, just trying to figure out what was going on. But yeah, it's still a cool technology. I do like the idea of having uh, that circadian or, or just like the daylight matching, I guess. Yeah, is what it I makes sense, it. but it shouldn't be the only yeah. thing. Right, right. It's an interesting technology. It's really cool to have in the house. And it does add a nice little technology package on like it's very good for integrators to do. Um, to your point, Matt, about a manufacturer's coming in and, and telling electricians, that's what I've heard. I mean, <laughs> that's why they're in this space. That's why they identified this space is because they can't get electricians to install that kind of thing. And and yeah. that's the, the electricians, as soon as you say Wi-Fi, they're like, I'm out. I don't want to deal with that. They're they're not building that into their processes and into their buildings. And it may be one day that integrators become absorbed into some kind of wing of the electricians or we're our own standalone, you know, um, trade, so to speak, you know, as, as, as independent you know, as we are today, but I, I don't know how that looks. I don't, I don't know what, you know, how that looks further down the road as technology does get better. I have a, I have a DIY device. that's like $80. It's a motion detector in my laundry room that can literally tell me the square foot that I'm standing in for presence detection. That doesn't exist in our industry. I'm sorry. It's like millimeter wave, like tells me exactly X, Y on the room where I am. And there's nothing that exists in our industry like that. And it's way better than a motion detector. And I, I can, literally walk up to a sink and turn a light on at the sink that I'm at because it knows exactly where I am. And we don't have, our industry is, I, I don't even know if that's on the radar. Right. So not even close. Yeah. <laughs> change topics for a second before we both frustrate all of our partners. In that world. <laughs> <laughs> this comes, and all your hate mail to me, not to Seth. Um, it's all happily debate you on it. Um, this comes to us from residential systems, women in consumer technology, and Cedia are hosting a, co a coaching event at Cedia HQ in November. It's a uh, all-day event uh, called New Year, New You, The Power of Executive Coaching. Uh, they've got some really good stuff, including a, a session by Stephanie, Stephanie Brown, Nancy uh, Ratley, and Caroline Dowd-Higgins on uh, coaching, wheel of life, and your leadership in coaching. I think this is fantastic. Seth, let me start with you on this. Do we as an industry invest enough into personal development like this? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, we're, we're, we're both, we're basically each day trying to make it through that day without a fire coming up, I think. And, and, and that's, that's been mm -hmm. my life and, and my experience as an integrator all the way to today. Um, but if, again, if there's more of that personal development, personal training, you know, and, 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 and investment back into yourself and, and, and into the people around you, as far as your employees, like the rewards that you get from, from that kind of thing, the, the different thought patterns that come out of it, the different ideas that can come to you while you're just sitting there at night, you wake up in the middle of the night and you have that sudden thought idea. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So I, I love to listen to 
all sorts of those things just to get better ideas um, that may not come to me while I'm listening to them, but may I may apply it to something that later on down the road, you know, like, why, why am I so busy doing this? I, I should I have qualified people. Let's make sure that they're empowered to do their job and, and trained to do their job. And, and they go out and do a better job than I could have ever done. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that um, personal development is, is very lacking in our industry right now. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Um, or not fantastic, but good take. Uh, Rachel, we talked a couple of, not, not you and I, sorry, on the show, we talked a couple of weeks ago about trying to professionalize our channel in our industry. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of to, to, to this article, to this event and to Seth's point, this is kind of one of the big keys, right? When I, any, anytime I read a leadership book or listen to anything in that vein, if I try to relate it to something I've seen in our channel, there's no connection ever minus a handful of people does professional development and, and kind of truly learning what leadership is. Is that the key to advancing our industry as a whole? I think it's a key. I, I think without, without a doubt, it's a key. I think some of the other things that Cedia is doing are equally important. Um, I think about, you know, the new RP22 recommended practice, um, which is about, you know, setting a, a paradigm for agreeing on what it means for a home theater to be as good as a, a cinema or to convey artistic intent, intent through objective measurements. I think that's an important part of professionalizing the industry too, right? It's setting out those kinds of, I don't want to say standards because it's, it's not a standard, it's recommended practice, but those sort of foundational baseline concepts that integrators and their customers can agree on and form a shared vocabulary around so that everyone knows when, when expectations are and aren't met. Um, the certification program too, I think is a critical aspect of professionalizing the industry, but it, it doesn't work without people to model your career after. It doesn't work without professionals that you can learn from, ideas share with, and uh, who can help advise you through those things that you can't put on a standardized test or that can't be codified within a recommended practice. You need that human-to-human -human professional network in order to advance and grow as well. Um, and I think that this is one of the intangible benefits that an, an, a professional association really brings the in industry because the, I mean, let's, let's be honest, the professional coaching space can be pretty scammy. No, I mean, I don't believe that. Really? <laughs> Cause if you don't, I have some podcasts to recommend to you. <laughs> Not that there are any other podcasts. No, I think that having your industry association bring together credible instructors, credible leaders, and create a space for you to connect with other professionals within your industry and get that mind share and form those real, not transactional connections um, helps you get that sort of human to human networking benefit that's all too often lost in a virtual connection ecosystem where our, our you know, interpersonal interactions are increasingly commodified. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. All right, let's hit our last story of the day because I know everyone will have fun with this. This comes to us from CE Pro. A judge has thrown out a three point two, uh, sorry, a thirty two point five million dollar Sonos verdict against Google. A uh, federal judge reversed the jury decision in ruling that Sonos patents uh, were unenforceable, and he specifically says that Sonos essentially misused the patent system. I'm going to let that one sit for a minute because maybe, um, but the patent system is an absolute mess. And if you don't believe that, Mm -hmm. you don't have any idea what you're doing. Um, But this is very interesting because for once, Google was kind of like, you know, the, they're the underdog in this fight. (laughs) Love to see an underdog win. (laughs) <laughs> they they weren't the bad guy I thought they yeah. were. You know, like it looked like a billion really? billion dollar company was 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 knocking out a little player like Sonos with yeah. just lawyers and stuff. But as it turns out, it looks like Sonos was actually gaming the system a little bit and kind of pulled the wool over everyone else. And I, I guess this evidence was not was new to this appeal. It was not, I guess, introduced into the court the original jury case. So this is kind of a big deal where they actually are overturning a jury verdict, which not unheard of, but very rare. Yeah. Like very rare that that happens. So my my question on this, Rachel, is one, uh, how much legal trouble do I want to get into? Um, let's go this way. Does the precedent of a judge overruling the jury in this case, because this type of patent situation, we'll say, happens a lot more than anyone would like to think as far as filing partial patents, filing multiple patents to make up a single patent that then is an overarching patent. There's a lot of very interesting legal shenanigans, we'll say, that happen around the patent system. Does this set a precedent that we're going to see more cases like this where people are going to file appeals based on, um, not necessarily a jury verdict, but based on this to go back and go, all right, well, company A was messing around with their patent applications and thus we're fine. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting to see a company like Google being unwilling to take this one on the nose. Um, And I think that part of why Google pushed back so hard against the original jury verdict is because this constrained their ability to operate in the integrated home. They had to change the way that they approached their the marketplace because of this ruling. Mm-hmm. And now they're sort of gleefully going back and saying like, hey, we're gonna release some new features. You're gonna be able to add speakers to multiple groups. Like this, this was really boxing them out of a market that they wanted to be a part of. So I, I think that you will continue to see this where companies really value the business. I think that this lawsuit indicates the value that Google sees in the consumer connected home, which is interesting in and of itself. Very much so. Seth, let's, let's end this with you. Um, and again, I, patent is one of this, one of the areas that I get, uh, I get way more conspiratorial than with really anything else because I just, I, I've got some friends that work in that space and I know how dirty it is. (laughs) Um, How much of this 
do you think is actually misuse of the patent system versus the patent system being a mess versus this judge taking this approach? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, was was this the normal game that you're supposed to play when you file a patent? It probably looks like it, right? It's it Sonos is. didn't pay dumb lawyers to amend a, a, an old patent that wasn't supposed to have with a new feature that didn't wasn't supposed to have new features. Like you can't do that. Um, but it, I'm sure that companies like Google have probably done that, right? Like we do, we don't know. It's not part of a court case, but it, it got it had to get all the way here and spending who who knows how much money to uh to have lawyers argue this out all the way up to a, f a federal judge in a, in a court of appeals like this is mm -hmm. this is this is a this is an expensive process and if you were a small small company not sonos and google took you to court there's really not much you're going to be able to do to challenge them or um, go back and and see i i kind of have i have experiences in my own personal life where a large company sued one of my family businesses here uh, my wife's for a patent infringement they they had no right to they did not even have a patent what they did was they were claiming a patent on their trade dress and when her attorney said yeah you can fight this but it's gonna be a few hundred thousand dollars the easiest thing to do was to stop selling the five dollar product <laughs> over anything else and it, it's you can't be the small guy on the block and and have any of this uh this happen and go up against a, a big behemoth like google i'm amazed that sonos did as much as they did but it seems like they some shenanigans they did along the way may have caught up to them here. Um, un unfortunately for them, I, I, I will see how it plays out in the, in the marketplace. And I will say, it's very funny. You, you mentioned, uh, Rachel, that they have, they're going back and advertising this. You know, they have already released those features. Yeah. Those features were pushed out literally that Friday. Like it was insane. They could not they wait. They won the court case and it was, they, they hit the go button. So they knew, they knew ahead of time that they were, they had done a good job arguing in court. I think in a lot of ways, <laughs> this case has big 2012 energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, I mean, they're, the judge is calling Google an innovator in the marketplace and, and saying that, you know, Sonos was abusing the patent center in order to block innovation. And this, this is all very like Obama era, big tech knows best stuff. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying that this that was necessarily wrong in this case, like from from yeah. the judge's ruling, it, it looks a little bit like Google may have had a, a like a real reason to appeal the initial yeah. jury decision. Mm -hmm. And God knows they had a business reason to appeal the initial jury decision. But I do think that, that that's an interesting temperature check at a time when Google is also facing major antitrust litigation to show that like they still have a lot of cachet in the political system with people who just want to believe them and mm -hmm. let them handle yeah. things because they think of them as innovators. It'll be very interesting to see if Sonos just gives up at this point or if they come back because, I don't know, when they hit this this level and the way in which this decision was written, it gives me lots of cause for concern. And, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Minus the, the other caveat that, to Seth, your point, there's a couple of avian companies, manufacturers that are essentially just patent hawks. And that's all mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. They just file patents and then they sue the heck out of people for fun in kicks. And it's a bigger business model than their actual product. Mm -hmm. And we won't mention who they are because I don't want to get sued today. All right, <laughs> let's wrap it there.
even though I don't like them and I won't sell them for those reasons. Um, let's end it there. Seth, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Blackwire Design, where can they do that? You can head on over to uh, blackwiredesigns.com. And if you're interested in designing linear lighting systems, we do have an award-winning Blacklight Linear Lighting Design System for tools for our, for our integrators. Yeah, you can check that out there as well. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Rachel, if people want to connect with you, learn more about what Caster Communications does, uh, where can they do that? Uh, you can head over to castercom.com. We also uh, post a lot on LinkedIn. So follow us on LinkedIn and, and Twitter, also at Castercom. Um, and, or X, I guess we're supposed to call it now, the platform yes. formerly known as Twitter and now represented by an unpronounceable symbol. Um, and you can also catch me occasionally on LinkedIn, X, across platforms as at Timpurity. And every once in a while, I show up on the AB Super Friends podcast, uh, schedule permitting. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter slash X at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Aaron Marmoran of EdTech. The world of higher ed AV is growing rapidly. That's why each month we hear from the best and brightest from colleges and universities all over the U.S. Check out EdTech on avnation.tv or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.